Sounds like pretty good advice to me. I don't know what uh, you guys think. So good to see you this morning. Glad you're here at our early worship service. And that would be exactly why we are starting a new series today called Effective Parenting in a Defective World. It can be kind of scary being a parent, right? I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a little, uh, little tricky sometimes. And, and uh, man, we know this, that the world can really be a hard place. It can be a really difficult place to uh, raise our kids in. And uh, the world that we're living in seems to be becoming uh, just really less kid-friendly as the days go by, right? I mean, it's like more and more uh, as we look at the world that we live in. How many of you would agree you would say that the world that, that that you grew up in and that you were raised in is vastly different than the world that you're raising your kids in right now? I mean, it's a, it's a different place. It's totally different. It's scary to raise kids. We live in, in, in this messed up, marred, sinful world, and it's kind of a scary place to raise kids in. And, uh, and so this morning, we want to we begin this series today called Effective Parenting in a Defective World. Today, what I want to talk to you about, as you turn in your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy... I want to talk to you this morning about the priority of every parent who is here this morning. So uh, let, me just, let me just kind of get a feel who's here this morning. How many of you are parents? Would you just raise your hands this morning? Okay. We've got a lot of parents that are here this morning. Um, how many of you, uh, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know someone who is a parent, right? Anybody know? You know someone's a parent, but you're not a parent. Um, how many of you had a parent? You had a parent? Okay, well, that would include everybody, right? Okay, so everybody, this is for you this morning. Now, how many of you are kids? Because we've got a really diverse church. How many of you are kids or, or you are parents of kids? You are kids. How many of you are parents of small children? Would you raise your hands this morning? Okay, we've got some of you who are here in the early service this morning. How many of you are, are parents of grown children, and would you just raise your hands? We've got a lot of you guys who are here this morning, or maybe some of you are parents of both right now. Um, how many grandparents do we have here this morning? Got, got several grandparents. Wonderful. Love having grandparents here with us today. How many of you are parents of teenagers? Would you just raise your hands right now? Can we just lay hands on these people right now and just pray over them? We will be having a special time of prayer for you here. Speaking of teenagers, Mark Twain, I heard Mark Twain, he said this one time about, about parenting. He said, when parenting teenagers, he said, uh, when they turn 13, you should put them in a barrel and then you should just shut the lid. That's what he said. You should nail the lid shut. And, uh, and, and then he said, then you just feed them through the knot hole. That's what Mark Twain said. He said, whenever they turn 16, that's when you go ahead and you nail the knot hole shut too as well. That's what Mark Twain said. That's not me. I have to say that as a parent, I personally have had more joy from parenting than probably just about anything in my life. I mean, it is a scary thing. It's kind of a nervous thing. Uh, but but, but i got to tell you that I love being a parent. I love my kids. I love spending time with them. There's so much joy in getting to do that. But here's what I also know about being a parent is that, and many of you who raised your hands, you'll relate to this, there is a lot of pain that is involved that goes along with parenting too, right? I mean, it's not only a scary place, but just the things that happen to your kids, the things that you watch your kids go through that you don't have any control over, you'd like to try to control them, but you can't. 
I mean, there's a lot of pain that goes along with parenting. And, 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 and here's another side of the pain that goes along with parenting. How about when we as parents, when we don't get things right, whenever we mess up, whenever, and, and we all do that, guys, right? We mess up as parents or we say things that we're like, oh, I wish I could get that back. I wish I'd never said that like that. And you know that that is, has, has kind of been something that they've taken into their heart because you said that very thing. And, man, I messed up the other night after one of Luke's football games um, I, I'll just tell you, I was really overly critical. And, uh, and I realized that as these words were coming out of my mouth, I was overly critical with him about the way that he played in this game. And, and, uh, and, and, and I, just, I just could not uh, forgive myself for the way that I talked to him. And now he had to get back on the bus, and then I had to go pick him up a little bit later. And the Holy Spirit, I want you to know, convicted me so strongly about the things that I had said. And it, you know, and it wasn't horrible things. It was just, I, I started realizing there was not one word of encouragement that came out of my mouth. And so whenever I picked him up, the first thing I told him was, Luke, I am so sorry for the way that I talked to you a few minutes ago. And I had to ask him to forgive me. And just had to ask him just to, if he would receive that, you know, from me. And, and just because of the kind of kid that he is, he said, Dad, I forgive you. And, I, and, and, and then we just, and it was just like God just did a really great thing uh, because we were able to kind of humble ourselves with one another. But, but how many of you have done that? Where you've said things and it's like, man, it's like, oh, if I could just get that back. And, and you know what? It's hard to let those things go, right? It's hard to let it go once you've done that. As a parent, what we do oftentimes is then we beat ourselves up for a long time, right? And, and, but, the, but the reality is, is that we're all flawed. We all are going to make mistakes. We're all going to say some things that we regret. And, 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 uh, or, or how about this? When speaking of pain in parenting, how about this? And I know some of you are dealing with this this morning. When our kids, when they go off and they begin doing some things on their own, when they get to this place in their life where they can really start making decisions. Many of you, you raised your hands and you have teenagers. Many of you have grown kids. And your kids start doing things that maybe you didn't raise them to live that way. Maybe you, you've not raised them or instilled these values within them or they're starting to reject some of the values that you hold dearly. And, and it's, it's hurting you very much as you watch your kids go through some things. For some of you, you know this in your heart because maybe you were a kid like this. For some of us, our kids, some of the times the only way that they are ever going to learn is whenever they, is whenever they really mess up in a big way. Is whenever they get to kind of rock bottom, if you kind of think of the story of the prodigal son, and they're at rock bottom and they have no other place to look but up. And, and it hurts as a parent to watch your kids go through that. It hurts to, to know that they're, they're, going through, they're, they're going to go through some really hard times and, and you've tried to steer them in this certain direction, but, but maybe, that, uh, may, maybe that's not working right now. And so you've just kind of had to release that and entrust them to God and trust that at some point maybe they'll come back to the Lord. Well, one of the things that I really enjoy about parenting is, when, is, is really just kind of recording and remembering the funny things that our kids say, right? And they do say some hilarious things, right? All of you have probably awesome stories about things that your kids can say, and many times they say them in complete innocence. 
You can count on complete truthfulness from your kids if you want to ask them how you look. or so, I mean, you can count on them to really tell you um, in certain things. But I, it was something uh, I was just thinking about earlier this week, something that, that uh, my daughter, Trinity, she's eight, eight now, but several years ago, uh, she, uh, she was going to bed. Hope was putting her down for bed that night, and uh, Hope always goes in and spends a few moments with her, just, just the two of them, and Hope, Hope told me about this, and she put her down that night, and, and they were ha- just having a little bit of a talk, and, and, uh, and, and Trinity just always likes to ask questions. She's a very curious child, and has asked a lot of really kind of deeply profound questions about God. She's always kind of keeping me on my toes, and, uh, but that night she asked Hope if God ever slept. She wanted to know if God slept, and, and, and Hope was like, well, no, honey, he's always watching over you. He, he never sleeps. He's constantly, you know, in, in touch with everything that's going on. He doesn't need to sleep. And, and, and Hope said she could just kind of see the little wheels turning in Trinity's mind like God never sleeps. And Trinity's personality is a little more like mine. She can be just a tad bit cynical about certain things. And, and she said, well, Mom, if God never sleeps, wouldn't that make him really grouchy all the time? And, and, and that's her mentality, okay, is that, that if he doesn't sleep, then he needs a nap or something, all right? Or, or this is a recent one. Trinity was talking about her new teacher recently, and uh, she was just talking about uh, something that happened with her new teacher. She's in third grade now, and this is her first time to have a, a teacher who is a man. Okay, she's always had female teachers, but she has a man teacher this year. This is a new experience for her. And one day recently, Hope picked her up from school, and, and, uh, and she loves her teacher. She loves Mr. Jackson, but she was describing an illustration that Mr. Jackson had given that day uh, uh, as he's teaching them about Adams. And he got some of the kids to come up to the front, and, uh, and Trinity was one of those kids, and, and they were to be the nucleus of the atom. And his arms were going to be the electrons and the protons that, were, that are reaching around the nucleus. And Trinity apparently was, got really close to one of his arms, and she was describing this illustration to Hope on the way home. And she said, and Mom, I'm going to tell you, that was one hairy arm. One hairy arm. And, and, and so, Mr. Jackson, if you're listening today out there, maybe on the Internet, I don't know, but uh, my daughter thinks you have arms like Chewbacca from Star Wars. But she's got nothing but love for you, okay? Nothing but love. But they're always saying something like that. They're always saying something that just kind of keeps you on edge and makes you laugh. And, and uh, Luke, you know, he's 14 now, and he's got tons of things, but he would hurt me if I told you any of the things that he said recently, so I'm not going to share any of those things. Um, when I let him out of the barrel, maybe he, you know, <laughs> at some point. Well, as we start this new series on parenting, let's just start with a foundational principle that I hope that you'll take in today. And I hope this will be something that will encourage you as a parent. I hope it will be something that, honestly, something I've been praying about in my own life and praying for each of you. If you are a parent or a grandparent, or, or maybe you just have the opportunity to have an influence in a child's life in some way, I, I just pray that God would challenge you this morning. That you would come in here this morning, and, and I don't know about you, but I felt a little sleepy and tired when I came in this morning. It took me a song or two to really just get my heart ready for worship. And I hope that you're awake now. I hope that you're ready to receive what God wants you to hear this morning. The priority of a parent 
So if you're not yet a parent, but one day maybe you will be a parent, these are some things that you can learn now. It's important that you learn these things now. Or maybe you're in the midst of raising children right now, and this is something God's going to challenge you with today. There are some of you who are grandparents here that for whatever reason, whatever has happened in your family, you are the only godly influence that your grandchildren get right now. This is something that you can use today. This is something that you can be challenged with today as well. And, and uh, as, your, as your grandkids are at a very impressionable age. So what is our primary priority as a parent or as an influencer in a child's life? What is the priority that God has given every one of us, that He's given you? Here's our key thought today as, you're, as we're going to multitask. And if you haven't turned to Deuteronomy, turn to chapter 6 in Deuteronomy But I want you to write this down in your notes this morning. This is really important that you catch this. This is our key thought of what our priority is as a parent. Here's what it is. The priority of a parent is this. It is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from them, that's speaking of the parent, until it resists or or, or until it rests solely on God. That's, That's our key thought for today. Your responsibility as a mom or as a dad or as a grandparent or as an influencer in a child's life, or maybe one day you're going to have kids, and maybe you're newlyweds or whatever, you're going to have kids one day. Your priority, we've got to get this down, church. Our priority is to begin to transfer the children that God has entrusted to us, to transfer the dependence that they have completely upon us, to begin to teach them what it means to start to trust in a holy God. That's your priority. And you're going to see that that is clearly demonstrated in the Scriptures. And there's a lot that goes into that thought today. Now, where does this priority come from? If you're in your Bibles, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let me give you a little bit of context about this passage of Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you were to look back one chapter into the fifth chapter of Deuteronomy, what you'll find is that Moses has just revealed to the nation of Israel as they've been delivered out of Egypt. And we talked a little bit about that last week and the, some of the struggles that they went through. And, and now here they are, and they are before a holy God, and, and God has given Moses some, some standards, some principles for, for his people to live by. And Moses is revealing these principles to the people. He's telling them, he's, he's, he's giving this great speech to them about this is what God has told me to tell you, that these are the standards that we are to live by. And so he's speaking of these commandments. And then what Moses is going to do is Moses is going to lead into one of the greatest teachings on being a parent and your responsibility as a parent that is, I believe, in all the Scripture. Here's what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I love this passage right here. He says in verse 1 and 2, he says, These are the commands, the decrees, and the laws that the Lord your God, that He directed me as your spiritual leader to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan over to possess. He's saying, here's what you've got to get, folks. You've got to get this down. This is what I want you to understand. God gave this to me to give to you to begin to do this certain thing. Now, he goes on and he says this, so that your children, okay, so that your children, I want you to think of the impact that these decrees are supposed to have upon you first 
and then upon your children, and then what? And then their children after them, that they may what? That they may fear the Lord your God. Now that doesn't mean that they're afraid of God in, in a sense, like He's a big, mean, uh, angry God that never sleeps and needs a nap, okay? That's not what it means. What this means is that there's a reverence for who He is. That you are impressing upon your kids to, be, to have a reverence for God, for, for, your, for the fear of the Lord your God, as long as you live. I want you to think about this this morning, whether you're a parent, grandparent, or just an influencer in a child's life. I want you to think of that statement that Moses has just said, and I want you to think of the lasting impact that your influence has in those who are coming up behind us. You see, you're not only affecting yourself by the way that you live for Christ or the way that you choose not to live for Christ. You are affecting the generation that's coming up behind us. And in essence, what you're doing is you're affecting the generation that is coming up behind them. That's a big responsibility, right? That's been placed upon us. So here's what he's going to do. He's going to show us how we are to influence our kids. He's going to show you what your priority is as a parent. How do we do this? Moses gives us two really great principles. And if you don't get anything else that I say this morning, I hope you'll write these things down. I hope you'll, you'll let these things just kind of resonate with you today and they'll begin to impact your life. Maybe you were doing this at one time, but for whatever reason you've gotten distracted in your relationship with God. Now God's kind of confronting you in, a, in just His loving way because He loves you. He loves your family. He loves your kids. He wants you to experience His fullness in, in your life. So how do we begin to transfer... Our kids' dependence upon us for everything, how do we begin to transfer that dependence onto a holy God? Well, here's what Moses says to do first, okay? What we find in Deuteronomy chapter 6, here's what he tells us to do. This is what's going to influence this generation coming up behind us. Here's what you must do. Not what the next parent over should do, or not what the parents of the kids who are horrible that live on your street must do. This is what you must do right here. This is your responsibility. Number one, write this down. You are to love your God. You're to love Him with everything. We look at that and we think, oh man, I've got that one down. I've got that one down, Pat, man. I'm in there. Okay, well, let's just look at the Scripture, what it says. Chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Here's what it says in verse 4. We're to love our God. Where does this come from? Here's what he says. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, I want you to read the next part with me out loud. Let's say it out loud together, church, okay? Say it with me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Okay, so how much, what does this mean? How much are you to love the Lord your God? With everything, right? So, what does this passage mean? This was, a, this was a phrase that a devout Jew would recite three times a day with their family. This was something that they were going to drive home to their kids. That this is what we are to be about. This is what they would do. This is called the Shema. This is, this is something that was recited within their family and, and, and was recited over and over again, morning, noon, and evening. It's, it's the Shema. So you go back to this verse. Look back at the verse. What does it say? We're to love the Lord our God with how much of our hearts? Every single bit of it. 
every single bit of our hearts. And again, we look at this and we think, man, I got that one down. I'm checking out. I don't need to listen. Well, let's just, let's just continue on a little bit and, and let's just let the Lord in His powerful way just bring sweet conviction into our lives. Not a percentage of your heart. Not you love the Lord your God when it's convenient for you or when it's convenient for your family. Because I'm going to tell you, sometimes loving God, it seems like, can be an inconvenience at certain times. Because it's going to demand something from you. It's going to demand sacrifice from you. But, but we live in a culture of convenience. And so this verse, really, if we get down to the root of this verse, it's really challenging. It's really challenging to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. Okay? Or how about with all of our soul? Or how about with every bit of the strength that is within me? I mean, the reality is that we live in a world that is filled with all kinds of distractions. I mean, there are distractions all over the place, right? I mean, it's easy to get distracted as a parent. It's easy to mess up and think, well, I'll just kind of quit. I, I, you know, I'm no good at this or I'm going to walk away from this. And, I mean, people do this all the time. We see it happening all the time. And, but here's what I think is, is, is what is happening to many Christians and many kids who grow up in Christian homes. What I think is that many of our kids are being exposed to just a little bit of God. And I think that's really dangerous. Rather than seeing parents who are loving God with all of their heart, soul, mind, strength, everything within them, what our kids see oftentimes are parents that just kind of love God with, you know, when it's convenient or love God. And so we expose our kids to just a little bit of God, a little bit of God. And I think it's a really dangerous thing to do this. Let me explain to you why. Whenever uh, we're about, I think we're going into flu season now, and whenever flu season rolls around, what do many of you do? You go and you get a flu shot, right? Uh, many of you do. You'll go, you'll get a flu shot. And uh, so when, when you go, and, and man, I'm always afraid of getting shots. It's just something that really I'm afraid of. But I go, and maybe I go ahead and I buckle down, and I get that done because I don't want to get the flu that year. And, uh, but what are they actually doing whenever they're giving you the flu shot? They're they're, they're, they're giving you just a little bit of the flu, right? And I know there are different ways that that happens now. I know that oftentimes now it's a dead virus. But still, you're getting a little bit of the flu. It exposes you to just a little bit of this thing. Nevertheless, it's still the flu. And, uh, and it's supposed to make me immune to the whole thing, right? Well, here's what I think. I think that today in our messed up world that many parents are unknowingly exposing their kids to just a little bit of God and what happens later on in life was, you know, typically when they get in their teenage years and when they start moving towards maybe going off to college and then they're exposed to everything under the sun. I mean, you guys know it probably happened with you. You've been exposed to just a little bit of God and you didn't see it really effective in your families or in your parents' lives or our kids don't see it effective in, our, in, in us and so they, they kind of move off and they go off on their own and they think, you know what? Never really worked much for mom and dad. Now they've got all the intellectual knowledge in the world about God. 
Maybe you've t- taken them to church every single Sunday. Maybe they've, they've grown up in a Sunday school or they've grown up in a place like Kids Live uh, or, or Power Up or the different things where, where we're teaching them things about God. And so they have a lot of intellectual knowledge about God. But you know what many of our kids have never seen? They've never seen a mom and dad in a passionate love relationship with Christ. And so when they get a little bit older, they think, I've been exposed to just a little bit of this. And in some ways, they become immune to the whole thing, and they just chuck it. You know what one of the greatest uh, groups of people that we reach here within our church are people who grew up in church, and for whatever reason, when they got a little bit older, they kind of wandered away from the faith. They didn't think that there was much reality to it. They went off to college. They got married. They had kids, and now they've got little kids now, and then all of a sudden, they're like, boom, well, what do I do with this? And it's a frightening thing for many of them. So one of the groups that we reach within our church are people who come in regularly and say, you know, I don't know that I ever really came to know Christ as a young person. Um, I don't know. I mean, I saw my parents would live this way uh, out during the week, and we would come to church on Sunday morning, but there was nothing really different in my family when it came to spiritual things. And then they start hearing us, maybe in our life groups, or hear me teach, or Randy teach, or somebody about having a, a thriving relationship with God, and they go, man, that's something that's missing, has been missing in my life for a long time. That's a big group of people that we reach here within our church. And, and so we see this all the time, that, that, that maybe kids... They never see a real life-changing kind of thing happen with their parents. Their parents go to church. Their parents go to Easter service or, or they, you know, they go to Christmas service or, or whatever. Or maybe they've got a big King James Bible, uh, you know, one of those big honking ones, those big ones out on their coffee table. You know, uh, by God, the, the, the Bible is really a priority in our family, but it's never opened. You know what I'm saying? And so there's not a whole lot of congruency with, with, with living a, a life that is completely sold out for God. And there's a lot of talk about that, but not a lot of action. Not a lot of action. And I think that that exposes our kids to some hypocrisy. And they just kind of get to a place a little later on where they say, forget it. Never work for mom and dad. Forget it. We live in a world that uh, is all about casual Christianity. We live in a world where where Christianity is a Christianity of convenience. And guys, if you read the same Bible that I read, what you'll find is that Jesus called His disciples. And and if you're a, a Christ follower, you're a disciple of His. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about discipleship. He has called us to something that is far different than what happens in America today. What did Jesus call us to? He called us to lose our lives, right? He called us to take up our cross daily to be followers of Christ. He called us to deny self. Well, that goes over big in our society today, right? And to follow Him with everything. See, it is completely different. The Christianity that's talked about in the New Testament is so vastly different than what is lived out in so many homes within our culture today. And that's why our kids... More and more, our country is becoming an unchurched, unchristian population because we don't see real life change happening within the, within the moms and dads. And this is a scary thing. It's a scary thing. There are some who are predicting 
that 20 years from now, this, this should shock you, that 20 years from now that the church in America will be completely irrelevant 100%. There are some that are predicting that. As we're seeing society continue to trend in this direction. Now, some of you are thinking, well, man, I, 20 years from now, I'm probably going to be gone. doesn't really matter much for me or whatever. But I want you to think about our kids who are coming up. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about what that means. And, and so the, the problem is that in the real world, and just being honest, again, there's so many things that I deal with that distract me from loving God with all of my heart. To where I just love Him with part of my heart and part of my soul, part of my strength. For example, as, as a dad, what I want to do and what I know most dads want to do is we want to provide for our kids. And so with completely good intentions, completely good intentions, we, our mindset is we think that if we can give our kids more material things than we had when we were growing up, then we're being a better parent. If I can provide them with more luxuries or more conveniences or more things and more stuff and I can bless them with more things like that than I had growing up, and and oftentimes what we're not doing is we're not giving our kids what they really need the most, which number one is a thriving relationship with God, obviously, but number two, what they need is a thriving relationship with us. But if all we're about all the time is making more money to provide more stuff for them, more things, more material things, things that won't last, and I want you to know, I think we're setting ourselves up for some great failures in our parenting. We want to provide them with this too. And I know this because we, our family, we face this battle all the time. We want to provide them with the best opportunities. So what do we do? We get them into everything under the sun. We get them into soccer and ballet and baseball and gymnastics and music lessons. And the list goes on and on and on. We know, guys, our family faces this battle regularly. And listen, these things are not bad in and of themselves. These things are not bad things. We know that uh, uh, you know our family is not immune to this. It's ingrained within our culture to get our kids in every single thing that we can get them into. So what do we do? We organize our schedules, which are already completely complicated and so busy. And so what we do is we make their schedules very complicated and very busy. And we're training them right now by doing that, that that's just how things are. That's how it's always going to be. And, and that's just the way it is. And, 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 so, and so that's kind of what we're doing. And, and so we're working really hard to provide them with more stuff. And we're trying to get them involved in everything we possibly can get them in. And, and, you know, and then when they get 16, we've got to provide them with a car because we know it would be borderline child abuse if we didn't buy a car for them. And so, you know what I'm saying? It's just like on and on we perpetuate this idea that this is how it has to be. And I think at some point we have to start questioning, is that really working? Has that been something that's being really effective? And so what happens, all these things are not bad things in and of themselves. Some of the, some of the teenagers are going... And I know they will. Dude, you gotta, you're, you're hurting my car chances, all right? Come on now. And that's not what I'm trying to do. These things are not bad things. If you want to do that for your kid, that's, that's fine. Here's what I'm saying is that many of our families become child-centered rather than God-centered. And that's messed up. That is not what the Scripture calls for. That's not what your kids need. They don't need your family to be centered completely around them where it should be centered around loving God. 
so what we do is we expose them to, uh, to just a little bit of God. A little bit of God. And the next thing you know, they're, they're immune to the whole thing. I ran into a friend of mine. This guy, I love this guy. But I ran into him out, out in the community like I run into so many of you. And uh, this guy's a great guy. I love him, man. He, um, he loves his wife, loves his kids. And, and we're talking. He's one of the nicest gentlemen that you'll ever know. And, and in my heart, here's what I know, because I've had these conversations with this guy. He, he, he wants to be a solid Christ follower. He wants to be this. And, and, and I've talked with him about it before. We've had conversations about what that means and what that sacrifice might mean in, in his life. And, and I want you to know, there was a point where he and his family were so involved in loving and serving the Lord and being involved. And by the way, being a disciple of Christ is not all about just coming to church. Okay, So I don't want you to misunderstand me today. But I know that that oftentimes is an indicator that, that there's distance that's beginning to happen whenever you start seeing maybe more sporadic attendance in worship. And I started noticing that, that you know, that they just started missing on a more regular basis. And they were missing uh, coming and worshiping with the body of Christ, which is an important component of our walk with God as we corporately gather to worship the Lord, as we're taught the Word of God. And I started noticing that over, just over and over again, it's just been quite a while since they had been. So I do what I try to do as a pastor as best as I can, and I try to shepherd people. And, you know, I might, might just send them a friendly note or give them a call and check in on them. Is somebody sick? Is there something going on? And, and it had been several months, several months since they had been. And, and, uh, and again, we ran into each other out in the community, and, and he didn't dodge me, as some people do. And uh, we ran into each other, and we started talking. And, and again, I love this guy so much. And he just said, Pastor Bart, I want you to know something. He said, he said there's not anything wrong. You, you've not done anything to make us mad or the church is not, and nobody's hurt our feelings or anything like that because that happens sometimes. He said, um, really, it's, it's not anything like that. And this is, these were his next words. He said, we're just so busy. We're so busy. I mean, our lives are just just chaotic right now. And, and uh, our kids have this, and we're having to get them this over here to that and this. And I mean, it's just ongoing. Our jobs are wearing us out. We're busy, busy, busy. And, and you know, and, and, and I'm just going to be honest with you. And I appreciated his candor with me and his honesty. He said, Sunday rolls around, man. We've just decided that's just a time for us. That's when we just need just a time for us, ourselves. It's downtime for us. And, and here's what I want to let you know, and he gives me his word on this. When things settle down, we'll be back. And, and, and just kind of like uh, Jesus talking to the rich young ruler, and he said he loved this guy so much, but in his heart he was kind of broken for him. Here's the thoughts that are rolling through my mind because I really love this guy. My thoughts were, number one, pal, it's never going to slow down. Not in this culture. It's never going to slow down. And here's the thing. You're raising kids right now. You're showing them um, what it means to follow Christ. You're showing them the things that are important in your life. And by the, t- by the time you think things are going to slow down, let me tell you, your kids are going to be gro- grown. They're going to be gone. And you'll have missed opportunities to teach them some things. Here was the other thought that was going through my mind when I walked away and I was kind of scratching my head. And I thought this. I thought we make time for things that are important to us. I mean, we find a way to carve out some time for things that are important. No matter how busy our schedules are. Hey, somebody gives us some tickets to a ball game or someone gives us, you know, tickets to a movie. or what. I mean, we find time, right? 
We find time for things that are important to us. And if you want to know what's important to you, then look at your calendar. Look at your schedule. If you want to know what's important to you, look at where you spend your money. That Those facts don't lie. That will show you what your priorities are. It will show you what is important to you. And here's the third thing I thought as I thought about this. What is important to us, whether we like it or not, is always modeled to our kids. It's always modeled. We're showing them one way or the other what is important in life. And so if they don't see our Christian faith being lived out by sacrifice oftentimes, then who's kidding who? I mean, who's kidding who about this stuff? They're going to grow up one day, and here's what you're going to desire as a parent. You're going to desire to see them see them fulfill their dreams. You want to desire to see them happy in life. You probably desire to see them involved in church the way that you're involved in church. You want to see them active in some way, using their spiritual gifts for a local body. You want to see all those kinds of things, but, but listen, the way that you're living today is training them how to do that for later. And that's something that we just have to... I mean, and when that doesn't happen, we have nobody to blame but ourselves. Where we falter is in this, is in saying to our kids, do what I say and not what I do. Do what I say and not what I do. All right? And this has been proven time and time, time, and time again, that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. All of our, all of our heart. By the way... If you go back to the chapter before, in chapter 5 in Deuteronomy, you'll find that one of, the, uh, one of the commandments that was given was to put no other gods before God. And I just want to tell you, there have been times in my life and times in our family that we have realized that we have, we've been living in idolatry because oftentimes our schedule has become an idol. It's become something that we worship more than we worship the Lord our God. Listen, if, if that's the kind of lifestyle that you're choosing, don't kid yourself. That's the kind of lifestyle is going to send a significant message to your kids, which will be carried on through their kids, which will be carried on through their kids. The priorities that you choose to live by today will be ingrained within their little minds. So, so as parents, how important is, is, and I just want to raise this question, how important is your involvement in a local body of Christ and I'm not talking about a building, okay? That's not what the body of Christ is. I'm talking about a local body of Christ, which Christ died for the church, so it's important to Him. How important is your involvement in this? And by involvement, I don't mean you come in late, you sit there on chairs, you leave before the offering, and you try to beat the traffic out of the hallways and out of the parking lot. That's not what I'm talking about when I say involvement. I'm talking about that you're in real relationships with other believers within the context of your local body. That you're exercising the spiritual gifts that God has given you. You're putting them into practice for the local body. That's what involvement in a church is really all about. Well, just, just some things for you to write down. I want you to see how important the involvement in your church family is. Write these things down. If mom and dad both went to church, then here's what we find. 72% of their kids will as adults. If mom and dad go together, then, then just about 75%, 72%, will go as adults and they will be involved in a church family in some way. Now I want you to see how these, these numbers start to kind of uh, go back and forth here. It's interesting. Look at the next one. If mom only goes to church, then 15% of their kids will as adults. Now, what does that tell you, dads? 
What does that tell you? Look at the next one. If dad only went to church, this is interesting, then 55% of the kids will as adults. That's what they're finding. If parents go together, you see there's a good chance your kids are going to be involved. If it's just mom only, you see that it drops off dramatically. If it's just dad, then it's about half of that. And, and I want you to see if neither mom nor dad go to church or they're involved in a local body, okay, then only 6% of the kids will as adults. Now, our society today, out here in, in the Eagle Mountain Saginaw area, this was a demographic 10 years ago. 82% of the families or the people who are in our community today, 82% are not involved in the local church in any way. 82%. Now do you see where they're projecting that the church is going to be completely irrelevant in just a couple of generations? I mean, that terrifies us. It should terrify us. We should go, wow, I don't want to be a part of that problem. I need to be a part of the solution for this. So we're to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts. It means not only in our words, but here's another way. Not only just in our words, but in our actions. Let me give you an example. Hope, my wife, also known as the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, sometimes gets on me, and rightfully so, I want to say, as she sits there in the back, Holy Spirit, hello, and uh, about the way that I talk sometimes in front of the kids, about, about my language sometimes that is not the greatest, and I confess that before you. I can kind of struggle like Isaiah said. Isaiah said this, <laughs> I'm a man of unclean lips. And I struggle with that. It's something that God is still working on in my life. I'm better than what I used to be. Now, I'm not talking about the big, the big bombs, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about my everyday speech, kind of like, Dad, dumb it, you know, saying things like that. And if you have kids in here, I'm sorry. And I, and I, might, they, I might hear me mumbling under my breath, you low-down, dirty, no-good son of a gun. I might say something like that, okay? I'm letting you know that, that, that I might struggle with that. And, and which I didn't think that was that bad in comparison to some of the other filthy mouths that I've heard. And, and I've heard that, uh, and again, my, my language is better than it used to be. God's cleaning me up more and more in this area. And, and it doesn't seem that bad until you start hearing your kids saying those things that they are imitating you in saying. And so one day, um, Luke was much smaller at this time, and, and he was a little guy, and he was playing video games. And, and his guy got killed in the little video game, and he got, you know, knocked off there, and he lost his life. And, and the next thing you know, I'm sitting there, and we're kind of all in the family room there together, and Luke says, Dad, gum it! That low down, dirty, no good son of a gun. And Trinity's in there. And Trinity gets up and she starts running to go around going, Dad, gum it! Dad, gum it! Dad, gum it! And, and, uh, and, and, you know, and she's saying all these kinds of things. And, uh, now I'm kind of just looking there. She's like this little parent. Hope, Holy Spirit, hope looks over at me. And I'm like, what? And now I'm thinking, this is actually kind of cute in a redneck kind of way. All right, in a real redneck kind of way, but really not the best thing for my kids to be saying. I know they could be worse things, but but I'm like Luke, Luke, listen, you you can't say that. You got your sister saying Dad Gummit now, all right, and uh, it's just not the best thing for you to say. And you know what happened? What happened, guys? Luke said, but Dad, you you say Dad Gummit, and 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 uh, so where did they learn that? They learned that from me. Dad gummit, they learned it from me, okay? That's that's where they got this. And 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 we're models in everything. In in as as Paul tells Timothy to be a model in the way that we love, in the way that we talk, in our actions. 
we model in everything that we do. So moms and dads, do you love God with all your heart before your kids and all your actions? Or with some of your heart when it's convenient? What about in the way that you speak? What about in the way that you forgive other people? What about in the way that you love? What about in the way that you have faith when things aren't going good in your family and things aren't so well and, and you're struggling? How, how, do you, how do you lead them through those times? Are you loving God with all of your, all of your heart? Do, do your kids see parents? Now listen, do they see parents that live as worshipers? Or do they just see parents that come to worship once a week? What are your kids or your grandkids or the children that you have influence over? What are they seeing in your life? Now, there's another thing that Deuteronomy 6 teaches, and I I hope you'll write this one down. Number two, we are to do this. We are to lead our families. We are to lead our families. You keep just kind of going right through this passage here. If you go to verse 6, I want you to see the spiritual leadership that is represented. Here's what it says. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be, where are they to be first? Upon your hearts, moms and dads, grandparents. They're to be upon your hearts. Now, here's what we are to do. Once they are upon our hearts, we are to what? We are to impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames, on your houses, and on your gates. This passage implies a couple of things. One, we are to carry on a love relationship with the Lord our God. Our kids should see that. It should be evident. It shouldn't be, uh, you know, and I've talked to some people uh, you know, whenever maybe I'm going to be doing a funeral for somebody and I ask them about their parents and maybe, maybe I'm doing a funeral for their, one of their parents and I'm like, I'll ask them about them spiritually. I can't tell you how many kids that have sat in my office, grown kids, and they say, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't know much about my parents' spiritual side. I don't know. Were they Christ followers? Did they know the Lord? I don't know. I don't know if they did or not. We went to church, but I don't know. And it just breaks my heart to hear this. He says, impress this on your kids. So first, this is the way it's supposed to be with you. You're to love God with all your heart. You're to have a relationship with God. Here's the other thing I find about this. We are to lead them. It's our responsibility to lead them. Impress this upon your kids. I hear this all the time. It drives me nuts. Well, I just want my kids to grow up and, and to, uh, to kind of decide for themselves in this area. And I understand the mentality there. I understand you don't want to cram something down their throat. But I'm going to suggest to you that if you are living an authentic Christian life in front of them and they see something different happening in your life, it's going to create an appetite in their life to have what you have. And you won't have to force something upon them. Because they're going to see some things that are different in your home. They're going to see a dad that knows how to treat a mom. They're going to see a mom that knows how to love the dad. 
They're going to see some things that are different there that you're not going to have to cram this down their throat. But here's what this says. Talk about it. It's conversational. It shouldn't be an awkward conversation that you have with your kids about spiritual things. You know, sometimes we act like talking to our kids about spiritual things is like talking with them about sex, which is an awkward thing, right? And it shouldn't be, for either one of those things, should not be an awkward thing. But, 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 but it oftentimes is. So here's what I want to say, and this may shock some of you. Maybe you're new to the church. Some of you who have been here, you've heard me say this before. But here is the deal that I want you to hear today. It is not the church's or the children's ministry responsibility to train your children in spiritual things. It is not the youth group's responsibility to train your kids in spiritual things. That responsibility lies solely with you. So if that is not happening, do not blame the church. Or do not blame the student ministry. Or do not blame Kyle. Or blame... Now, I know the thought is, wait a minute, we've got these guys here, we've got ministries here. Yes, we want these guys here. We want them impressing, uh, because some, we, we just re- realize for some, they're not going to get any training at home. But here is the responsibility of the church. The responsibility of the church is to reinforce what's already being modeled and lived within your home. It's to continue to reinforce that. It's to come alongside you as moms and dads, as parents, to come alongside you and to encourage you. It's to come alongside you and to reinforce on our Wednesday nights and on our Sunday mornings and, and, and to where your kids are going, I've already heard that. we talked about that already at home. I already know about that. This, man, I'm, I'm starting to, to, to get it from all angles now. But, but I, we know the truth. We know that that doesn't always happen. But many times what we'll do is, as parents, we think, well, we got... We've got these ministries over here, and that's what we want. We want ministries. We always want these kinds of ministries to support you. But what happens is many times the ministries end up being a crutch for us in the spiritual training. And we pawn our kids off on, on other people, and we say, it's your responsibility to train our kids up. Can I just tell you something? God is not going to ask Kyle why he didn't do a better job raising your kids. God is not going to ask Dustin, why he didn't do a better job in training your kids up in the spiritual things. God's not going to ask these guys this. If this isn't happening within your family, it's your responsibility. God's going to ask you. He's going to ask you why you didn't pour Christ into your kids' lives. Why you didn't model this as a regular thing within your family. God's not going to hold, God's going to hold those guys responsible in some ways, but, but the main responsibility for your kids is not them. It's, it's us. It's you. It's us as the parents. It's our responsibility to lead our children, not the church, not to pawn it off on someone else. I like this quote that Edward, uh, Duke of Windsor, he said about America. He said this. He said, the thing that impresses me most about America is the way the parents obey their children. Parents, are you leading your children or are your children leading you? I want you to think about that. You lead them spiritually. You set the tone. 
God has set you up as the divine authority within your home. You say, well, how, how do we do this? Here's something that you have to just take this in right here. If you're going to be an effective leader for your kids, you have to do this. You must do this. You must lead intentionally. There's, intention, there's an intentional leadership thing happening in your home. This means this, that the spiritual development of your kids doesn't just happen by accident. You must be intentional. You must say, man, this is something that we are, we, we are going to lead intentionally in these areas. And so I encourage you to, to consider that. Got to kind of wrap, wrap things up. There's a lot of good things to talk about. We've got a few weeks that I can bring some of these things back in. Here are just some of the things, and Hope and I have had, we're, we're not experts in this. We're, we're journeyers with you through this, okay? But there are some things that we feel like we've been successful in and that we're seeing some success in. We've had some big failures too. But, but just in leading intentionally, here's some things that, that we kind of value and that, that we're trying to drive within our own kids. And, and that is we know that, that there are all these activities that are available all the time, and our kids are involved in activities. But we have to set limits at some point because they would be, in, they would be involved in everything if we let them. So we have to set limits and we have to say, well, if you're going to do that, then this has got to go, at least for a while. Because we just cannot sustain that as a family. We went through a period of time where we were living completely opposite of what I'm teaching right now. And the Lord convicted us about that. In fact, I believe the Lord brought about some changes because uh, we, we were never having meals together as a family. And I was going, this is not what we decided we were going to do. So here's what we decided before that happened and we had to get back to it. We like to have meals together as a family where we sit down together and here's what we got to do. And we turn the TV off, which is really hard, isn't it, guys? It's hard, but that's why God created DVRs, amen, right? And that's, God created those things. I am convinced of it. We value family identity because we know that where the family identity is strong, peer pressure is weak. Where family identity is not strong, peer pressure is really strong. So I heard another dad say this one time, and he, he probably doesn't even know me, but I heard him say this one time, and I never forgot this. I thought this was a great thing to say. Before his kids would go out, he told them this, remember who you are. Don't forget who you are. In other words, you have an identity. You, are, you have an identity that's wrapped up in this family. So family identity is, is strong. Now, we, we value not only just having these meals together, but, but we sit down together and we, we, uh, we have a good devotional book that, that, I'm, that I'm taking our kids through because the church's responsibility is not to disciple my kids. It's mine. There have been times where I've realized I'm pouring more discipleship into people in the church than I have my own kids. And God has convicted me of that. So now we've got this little devotional book that we kind of go through. And if you'd like to know more about that, I can help you with that. And it's, it's man, it's just reading through it and it's asking questions. And now sometimes I get off track and I get distracted. And, and, and the kids will ask, Daddy, are we going to have a Bible time or not, dadgummit? And uh, they don't say that. But, but seriously, we, it's like, are we going to do this, Dad? They, they are longing for it. They want it. They hold me accountable to do this. 
And so it's just some things that, that have been some wins and some successes in our family that God has given us there. Again, we're, we're not perfect and we've got a lot of flaws and a lot of mistakes, but we're seeing some things that are working there. And I just wanted to pass some of those on. So in closing, what I want to say to you is this. You are not, as a parent, to be so concerned about your kids' immediate happiness as much as you are to be concerned about the development of their character. And what I see all the time now in this culture are parents who are more interested in being best friends to their kids than they are in being leading parents to their kids. And I'm going to tell you something. That doesn't work. Now, what I can say, and and I think that, that I'm a living testimony of this, is that the friendship stuff comes later. But what they need right now is someone to lead them, and that's not always fun. And they're, and, and they're going to go against it sometimes. But this is something, again, that, that I can say is a living testimony that my mom and dad, they led, and they weren't perfect parents either, but they were great parents. They led intentionally. Uh, my sister and myself, they led, they, they set the parameters that we were to abide by. And can I tell you, we're great friends and best friends today, but that wasn't always the case but they were more concerned with the development of our character than it was just, well, we've got to always make them happy. That's not your responsibility, is to always make them happy. Your responsibility is to lead. To lead. The friendship stuff will come later, and they will respect you for leading. They'll respect that. Let's just go ahead and let's just have a time of prayer together. I've thrown a lot at you today. As our heads are bowed this morning, what I believe is that if I gave an opportunity for those who have grown kids to come and give a testimony this morning, what those who have grown kids would probably say to many of us who have younger kids and teenagers is they would say, don't squander the opportunities that you have today with your kids. Many of them would stand before you with much regret in their hearts for thinking that one day we'll get around to leading our kids or one day we'll get around to spiritual things. When, when things settle down, one day we'll get the spiritual stuff down. Many of them would tell you who have younger kids, things never settle down. You've got to seize the opportunity today. Don't miss it. I want you to know that our church is seriously committed partnering with you to train your kids up in the Lord. We want to come alongside you and encourage you and support you. We want to have staff that supports that. But the primary responsibility is yours. If you're not leading an authentic Christian life and you're only exposing your kids to a little bit of God, you're going to find some great disappointments later on when it comes to the spiritual things in their life. And there's going to be an accountability for that. Father, today, I ask in your holy presence that you would just speak to us, Lord. 
that You would challenge us, that You would stir us in a life-changing way, Father. That first, Lord, we would love You with everything within us, and as an overflow, we would lead those around us. What I want you to do right now, just in the quietness of your own heart, is just to kind of think about your own influence and your leadership with your kids or your grandkids. And I want you to ask yourself this morning, don't tune me out, just really have a moment with God here. Am I spiritually leading my kids? Am I spiritually leading my grandkids? Or are they leading me? Am I being intentional? Or am I just thinking that it's just going to kind of happen by accident? This morning, if you would say that the Lord is speaking to you about this area of your leadership within your home, you might even say, Pastor Bart, I've, I've not been leading my family spiritually. Or I'm struggling with this. And I just need some prayer this morning, some support. This is not about condemning. This is just a sweet kind of encouragement to say, God's trying to get your attention because this is so important in your life. And He loves you. He forgives you for the failures. And, and He's coming alongside you as He has me in, my, in the midst of my failures. And He's saying, I'm wanting to do a work in your life. You say, Pastor Bart, this is something I've just asked you to begin to pray with me about this morning. Would you just lift your hands this morning and just say, I just need some support in this area. I'm hurting in this area. I'm struggling in this area. Just just pray with me this morning. God bless you. So many of you lifting your hands. I just encourage to hear the Holy Spirit and see the Holy Spirit working in your hearts. And those of you who lifted your hands, let me just let me just pray with you this morning. Father, this morning for all the hands that have been lifted up, I pray that as we draw close to you, Lord, that what you would do is you would overwhelm us with your love. And that spiritual leadership would be a natural reflection, Lord, of what you are doing in our own lives, Lord. That it wouldn't be forced. It would just come naturally. Father, this morning, those of us who have lifted our hands and in the midst of our struggles, we confess our faults to you, Lord, as parents today. But we acknowledge that we can't do this without you, Lord. We ask you for your help, for your wisdom. Lord, we ask you for your guidance. I pray for all the parents today, Lord, for, for single parents, for blended families, Lord, for those who are, are praying for children one day. God, that, that you would place just a holy anointing on our lives to sift through all the things that this world throws at us. Lord, to sift through and find the things that are of God and are best for our families. Lord, give us wisdom about the priorities that are in our lives. And Lord, this morning... We fully surrender and we depend upon you today. And I thank you, Lord, for your tender love for us, even in the midst of our failures. Lord, I pray that you would encourage moms and dads today. I lift these things up before you. In the name of Jesus, our Savior. 